Oh, hello, and welcome to the Community Experience Podcast. We are so glad you're here. If you're one of our regulars, you're probably wondering why we haven't published in a while. We actually chose to sunset the show in early 2023, but the feed will stay active because so many of the episodes are timeless. If you want to learn more and search our back catalog, you can visit smartpassiveincome.com slash cxpodcast, all one word. If you're thinking about scaling your community, even if it's really small, it's not really about the number of people, but the number of people who are really wanting to stay engaged and like engaging those people relatively early on. I always recommend jumping on calls with people and doing the things that really don't scale at the beginning. Like while your community is relatively small, even if it's not small, like jumping on calls with people to learn about like why people come back every day or whatever the frequency is can be really helpful in seeing what motivates people, what gets people excited, what kind of things they would want to see and building a program off of that. Hey, and welcome to the Community Experience Podcast. If you're new here, hello, I'm Jillian Benbow, and I host this gig. Today, I am talking to a fellow community manager turned director. I'm talking to Rena Pomeroy, who is the Senior Director of Community for Good Inside, which is a parenting community through Dr. Becky, who if you are a parent and use Instagram, you may have heard of. We're talking about one of my favorite things. I think I say that every episode, but like legit love this. And that is community leadership programs and how to leverage, but in a, for good, leverage in a good way, your members to help manage the community, really to help be a part of the leadership, to help keep it safe, to help make sure it's a fun and inviting place all in a way that makes them want to do it and love doing it. So we'll get all into that. We talk a little bit just about how Raina came up in community. It's always fascinating to hear how we all landed into these roles and then stuck with this as a profession. Yeah. And then we'll really get into just whether you want to call it a leader program or an ambassador program or whatever, but just some like into the weeds, into the mechanics of running such a program. So whether you run one currently and have issues or you would like to learn more, stay tuned and we will get into it right now. Okay, welcome back to this episode of the Community Experience Podcast. And today I am talking to a partner in crime as far as a fellow professional community manager, community leader, which is exciting because we're a growing crew, but we're still, it's still fairly small. I don't think I've ever met someone in real life that has been like, oh, I'm a community manager. So without further ado, I am here today with Raina Palmeroy, who is currently the Senior Director of Community for Good Inside, a parenting community through Dr. Becky. So Raina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to be here. Yeah, it's exciting. I was kind of looking at what you do and and the community that you run. And it's just so fun because I see so many parallels between our roles. So it's always nice to to talk to someone kind of in the throes of 
these sort of what I'd call like boutique or like niche communities that are amazing and so needed. Tell the audience just a little bit about you and especially just how did you get into this wild world of community? Yeah, I love what you're talking about because I also have not ever met somebody who does what we do in real life before besides like conferences and things like that. But so happy to be here. I'm Rena Pomeroy and I lead the Good Inside community. A lot of people know Dr. Becky on Instagram. She became a household name in, during the pandemic as a parenting sort of expert and I get to run her membership community. So it's a really fun experience. My background, I actually just came from Modern Fertility, which is a fertility company for people with ovaries and building a not, it's, it was it's like a customer community. So brand community alignment. And then prior to that, I was a social worker trained as a coach and got my certification in coaching and was doing executive leadership coaching and working with creative entrepreneurs. So like have been in the entrepreneur space for some time, really familiar with SPI work and yeah, like love the sort of intersection between marketing and you know, brand and community. So have loved this work and just sort of fell into the community title, but have always been doing, you know, community development throughout my work as a social worker and as a coach. That's so interesting too, that you bring that social worker lens to it because it very much can be human service on some level, right? I mean, you're trying to connect people for some goal, some cause. And it sounds like you you have planted yourself at least for now in like the children having children realm, right? Like the first to the helping people who are trying to conceive. And then now, now that now you've got the kid, it's like, oh, this is hard. (laughs) I need support, which as a mom, like, yes, props to everyone in the thick of toddlerhood because yeah, it's a thing. So I'm interested just from the transition from modern fertility uh, now to good inside, I'm curious what you've noticed as like the main differences from like a running the community and just the the branded community for customers versus the more like focused parent support community. How, what have you noticed? Yeah. So something that I think about with like community strategy, if we zoom back a little bit, there's always two goals for any brand community. It's the, like the, why do we have this community for the business side? And then why do we have this community for the customer side? No matter, you know, whether or not people are paying to be in that community or not, we should be thinking about both of those goals simultaneously. And if, if it's too heavy on like the brand side, too heavy on the customer side or the, the community member side, it just sort of like skews the work. And so I always like to have those sort of intention so that we can have like be really holding steady on both of those things. So I think that, you know, your question about like, what what's the difference between like a free community and a paid community? I think it's that the, the level of intent of use is very different. But that is, I think people are always craving to connect with other people. And so whether it's free or paid, it's just the, the amount that you can put into a community is a little bit different. And the reason for having the community is slightly different. So what I mean by that is that modern fertility, you know, the goal of that community was more about top of funnel. It was about, you know, driving those, you know, conversations and potentially driving to conversion down the line. And with community, uh, good insight, it's really about like keeping the people who have chosen to be here really excited and really engaged um, and giving them the best experience inside the experience itself. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a, a beautiful definition. And yeah, totally agree. It's interesting too. I'm curious, just from being a parent <laughs> and like, you know, back in the day when, when my now teenage, terrifyingly teenage daughter is, you know, when she was much younger and needing that, that peer support and the like, oh my gosh, you know, whether it's a baby or a toddler, I'm curious how you deal currently with things like boundaries and just the, the guidelines of your community. Cause just, I know as a parent being in those parent groups back in the day when it was all on Facebook, there was a lot of shenanigans in those peer, like parenting groups, a lot of like pictures of rashes and like, you know, medical advice and, and it, things that it was just like, this is not the, no, 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 <laughs> call your doctor. Or even just the, like what I've been coining, like is digital etiquette, like lack of digital etiquette. And just maybe, maybe being a little too honest in a internet forum environment when there should just be like, maybe a bit more boundary, like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> I'm curious how that, how that all works. Oh my gosh. I mean, what a great question. And I think that like the thing that you said about rashes made me laugh because so much of that actually happened at the beginning at bet, yeah. Modern Fertility. When we started that community, people who were like the, the biggest offenders are people that don't read your community guidelines. They're the people who post first before they do they because they have an urgent need, right? And so I have a lot of empathy for people who are like, I really want an answer for this thing that I have. And you're like, okay. And also we have to like protect the rest of the community. So it's like both of those things all at once. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. You know, Oftentimes, if you build a community that has pretty strict boundaries, has pretty strict guidelines, and you have community leaders and, you know, people who are moderating your community kind of know the rules, it actually does a pretty good job of policing itself. And like, we didn't have a ton of those violating photos or too explicit things in the community, although we did have some. So like, if there's bodily fluids in the photo, we're going to delete it immediately. And like, we added those community guidelines as the posts were made, right? Like, oh, for sure. We couldn't have expected that before it happened. And so like being flexible, being in tight communication with your team, as well as community leaders that are, you know, members of the community who are VIP members can be really, really helpful. So I don't know, like the boundary thing is so interesting. So often, like you can put as many parameters as you want on the community, but so often it's, it's tested by the community and you have to be flexible and adjust accordingly. Oh, it's so true. I have stories that would be better told over cocktails of just like the situations where you're like, is this even ha like, am I being punked? Like, where's Ashton? I, th there's no way, <laughs> there's no way this is real. And yeah, I think. I think that's something, especially um, when people are creating communities and they're more of a like a creative or a solo business person, your community guidelines are not stagnant. Like they should evolve with your community. And as lessons are learned, it's like, okay, so we need to add something about bodily fluids. Didn't know that a year ago. Know that now. Let's go ahead. Because it is, you'll you'll start seeing and people, whether it's malicious or not, they'll test the boundaries and it depends depends what kind of community it is. I find paid private communities to be a little more easy than the like free brand communities because been there and <laughs> those are like, they're fun. You're definitely like busy, but it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say that at Modern Fertility, we had a, when I left, we had a community of 60,000 members. So like pretty, pretty big and also pretty engaged for it being a free community. And, you know, I think that 
what we're going to talk about next, which is, you know, our community programs and like having leaders, those folks were like critical in making sure that we had like this sort of policing, non-policing sort of mentality of like boots on the ground support being a critical part. And they would give us open feedback, like this is not working or like we, why don't we do it this way? And that's really important to us to be able to like have that type of community atmosphere. And I think that, you know, a word that I often come back to in community is like this idea of co-creating the space together, right? It's not just me as the community leader dictating what this community ought to be. It's really like an opportunity for us to collaborate with the members who are using it most often and the newest members as well. Of course. Same. I I worked at a company called Real Self. It was like my first big community manager role. And it was, it's this huge, it's medical aesthetics, but this huge community, I forget how many uniques and, you know, all the data, but just big, it's very big and just, just busy. And same thing. It's just with that many people kind of teaching your community to be on your side and know like what's cool and what's not and what sort of parameters as a member they have to take, like what actions they can take and how to escalate things to the community team and all that. I mean, that was part of survival because when a fight goes down about Botox, you best believe people are like dropping the gloves. It gets nasty quick. And so any community member that you have that can help diffuse and like having that toolkit. And then we did something. One of my favorite things I got to do there was launch an onsite ambassador program. So kind of a leadership program, we say, you know, using the term ambassador, but it wasn't like external brand ambassador. And, oh, it was lovely to have this group of people that loved spending time on the site and their values were aligned with like keeping it safe and keeping it informative and fun. So whether it's a, a giant, you know, modern fertility or real self, or it's a small niche boutique community, having members on your side, like that feel like they're, like you said, like that are co-creating that feel like they're a part of it is so valuable. So you obviously have a lot of experience with this. Walk us through just kind of how you started building leadership programs. Like what's that journey been? Yeah. I think it's, it's such an interesting question because it came out of a necessity, right? It came out of like a deep need that I cannot be the only community manager for myself. And this started actually like when I was still an entrepreneur, still working for myself and doing coaching and like wanted to create a community around entrepreneurship and creative entrepreneurship and like people feeling so alone in the experience. And I saw people who were using it on a, you know, daily basis. And there were some people who were using it on like a more monthly or, you know, a couple of every couple of months basis. And, you know, I had a hunch that if we could bring some of the people who were like really excited and like give them a leadership role, then one, like it gives them visibility in their work, but also like gives them something to like be really excited about and like be a leader. Being a leader means that like other people look up to them. It gives them a sense of like ownership over the programming and things that they wanted to do. And so that became like the first community program I ever ran. We had six different community leaders. They each owned a week and they worked on their own programming. They led their own like 
not courses, but like just sort of programming within that week of the community, posting prompts, responding to things. And, you know, it became like a thing that the community really like leaned on pretty hard. It didn't mean that like everyone else wasn't participating, but that was just something that we really loved doing. And then I took some of those learnings and grew a community advisory board program at Modern Fertility. It was something that I was really proud of because we wanted to make sure that we had different diverse experiences and um, diverse demographics of folks that were on this board and making sure that we were providing a lot of feedback to the product team, to the product development team, to you know customer service and all the other cross-functional partners that we had. And making sure that their voices were represented. When we rolled out the app, you best believe that we, you know, lean on this community advisory board as like the first users. And we got some tough critical feedback and we made some big changes based on it. And I'm really proud of this group and them feeling empowered to be able to give critical feedback because they love our product and they love the brand and they held us to a higher standard. So like, you know, giving us feedback is really, really critical. And then we've done things like channel leaders, which is basically like a topic somebody who has a lived experience. So like in, we have this both at Good Inside and at Modern Fertility. And, you know, if you have a lived experience, you're passionate about a particular topic and you want to go deep with other people who are going through the same thing, you're not an expert, you're not a medical professional or a mental health expert necessarily, but you have like some experience and you are excited about connecting the, those people that are in that room together. It's kind of like being the hostess at a party. You're like the person that opens the door and says hi to everyone and like, you know, let's them know where the food is and, you know, all the things. And so basically connecting people with resources, connecting people with other people and making that new member experience really valuable for somebody. Oh, it makes me so happy because this is like my favorite stuff. And, you know, currently in my role, working on some similar things. So it's like, yes, let's talk about it. Yay. Let's dig in. Yes. So I'm so curious because this is something I think about just and, you know, just with past or present leadership programs like this, how are you kind of creating guidelines around this? Like whether it's, you know, how people can join the expectations once they have training, that kind of stuff. Like, how do you tell me, tell me the secret sauce? How's how are you running these? Yeah, no, such a good question. I think it's like, you know, I have an aspiration for it to be like a full wiki and everything is set up and it's everything is beautiful. It's not that. I think it's sort of like flying by the seat of your pants mixed with flying the plane as you build it, right? Like it's truly like this co-creation experience. And like, I want to say that we've gotten it to a point where there are some standards and like really good trainings and things like that from all of the, all of the challenges that I have experienced in my career. But I think that one of the things that's really important is that you can set down as many guidelines as you want, but you'll get feedback that that works and that doesn't work. And I think that you have to remember that some of these roles are volunteer roles. You're not necessarily compensating them. And so if that's the case, you you have to like set your expectations and like they these folks have to be boundaried around their time as well. So I think that one of the things that's really interesting is so often the people who want to be most engaged are the people who want to learn, right? They want to spend their time learning. They want to spend their time sharing what they've learned because they felt they have at some point felt like, like lost or confused or not, not sure where to go for this information. And now they're turning around and saying, you know what? I have learned quite a bit. Like I'm not an expert by any means, but I do want to share my experiences with other folks. And so, you know, giving them the platform sort of to like be able to do that and be that sort of designated space expert is 
really an interesting sort of proposition for folks. And what I found is that being able to say, you know what, we would love for you to do these few tasks, let us know how this goes. Or like, do you need more? Do you need less? What resources do you need? And then we can create that alongside them. And, you know, what what I think works really well is being able to give those folks a digest about what's coming up, what has happened, what they've been able to accomplish and celebrating their contributions and wins. All of those things keep the ball rolling. And we learn from like each interaction and each experience from the various number of people that we have recruited. One of the things that I will say about finding these leaders is letting them show you that they're interested before you recruit them. And what I mean by that is I'm not going out and like soliciting for people who are interested in being being a leader. We're looking for the people who are really engaged, who are using the platform, who are demonstrating that they are actually really interested and committed to the work that we're doing together. And then reaching out to them and saying, we see you, like you are doing something really incredible here. We want to acknowledge your presence. We want to acknowledge your contribution. And this was as like a regular layperson member. And now we would love to see if you're excited to sort of not move up the ranks because there's not really ranks, but just like, you know, move up and like learn more and connect with us some more. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. It was kind of a circuitous answer, but. Those are my favorite. That's how my brain works. That makes sense. You sort of have like a, like a baseline criteria, like this person should have been a member for this long and done like X amount of actions as like a a minimum, I, I guess. And I'm asking this because having run programs like this, there's a lot of people who will like, just be like, I want to do this thing. And they're not, they're either, they're just not the right fit or, you know, whatever. But then it's like a, a, like, well, how come this person can do it? You're playing favorites. Right. And so having some sort of like baseline criteria, as far as like, you don't have any moderation strikes against you, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm just curious if that comes up in these communities. So I think it's, partially intuitive and partially data-driven. So the first thing is like our team notices you because of your contributions. And then we have like a running list of those folks. And then after a while, we can see in the data, like how many comments have you made? How many, how much support are you giving to the community? That kind of thing. And so we also notice like people who attend live events, you know, and are really helpful in the chat of those live events. And so it's sort of like, a combination of like us noticing you. Oh, and then other people nominate members who have been like really impactful for them. So like if all three of those things sort of stack up, we notice the same consistent members and we can float those up to the top the next time we do like a formal training. Okay. So you do like scheduled formal trainings like a few times a year kind of thing? Yeah, it's like a new program. At least I could inside that's something that we're, we're rolling out. In the past, it's been like once we kind of validate that this member is like somebody we want to elevate, I'll get on a call with them, talk about sort of the expectations. Does it fit into their lives? Is that something that they're excited about? And then like we we talk about responsibilities and whether or not we want to onboard them. Nice. Do you have like a set criteria and whether it's universal or, or customized to each person like of expectations to maintain that position? And I'm asking because I've found sometimes when I add people to programs like this, it's like the kiss of death. They just like disappear for whatever reason, because maybe they agreed and then they're like, I don't want to do it. So I'm just going to disappear when it's like, no, it's fine. You don't have to. It's okay. So I'm just curious how you manage. Actually, during my first conversation with them, I typically have the like prenup conversation. It's <laughs> just like, if you do, like if this no longer fits into your life, 
here's how we would like for you to move forward with us. And like, please always tell us that it doesn't work rather than us like chasing you because that never feels good for you. It never feels good for us. And we want to like your, the relationship that we have, whether or not you're, you know, a leader or a regular member, you are still really important to us. Right. And I think that just saying that at the very beginning of that relationship can, can make it really helpful so that they know that that's what they're set up for. I also agree that like when you recruit somebody, if you, I have, I've had that experience too, where you're like, yeah, we're really so excited to have you. And then they're excited to do it. And then something happens and they just kind of ghost you. I think that it's not like a really clean answer necessarily, but I think that just continuing to stay interested in their lives beyond the responsibilities that they have can be really helpful. Like just leveling with them as a human being like, are you, are you doing okay? Like what's, what's going on for you in your life versus like, Hey, I haven't seen you post this week. Or like, I haven't seen you like participate this week. It's like, Hey, I just noticed that you're a little bit more quiet than you normally are. Is everything going okay? And like having that human concern can be really helpful. The, the folks that we had at the very, the first example I gave you where we had like these leaders lead a week, um, that format was really interesting and it kind of came to a natural close. And it was very clear from like all of the leaders that it just was like not working as well anymore. And we changed the model and that was totally fine. And so I think you'll like notice as long as you stay in constant contact with these folks and like, it's almost even a program to manage this program, right? Like it, it takes energy and somebody's time to manage these relationships. And those programs allow for community to scale. So it's like an Im- important investment of our time and energy. Yeah, it's very true. And I think that's something everybody considering something like this should keep in mind. Like it takes work. This isn't like this thing. Oh, I'm going to set these people up and I never have to do anything in community. They may be helping offset the like, you know, re- replying to every post or, you know, making sure people are connected or you know, escalating moderation issues. But you, in a sense, are you're kind of like creating kind of this like VIP sort of group and you have to community manage that. The worst thing you can do, and I've seen it happen, is the expectations for these people get too high, the the extrinsic motivation. So like what they get out of it from like, not just because they want to be helpful, not the intrinsic motivation, right? So like, what are they tangibly getting from this, be it getting leadership status, or maybe you send you know, merch or whatever it is, uh, but they're not, they're not being paid. So you, you dance a line of like the expectations you can put on these people. And if it's not fun for them, there is no reason they should keep doing it. It can turn into a lot. And sometimes you'll get someone that starts getting a little entitled and maybe a little, uh, you know, testing boundaries on that level. And that can be from personal experience, a freaking disaster in your community. When someone like that goes rogue, I fortunately only had a couple like issues with programs like this personally, but I think it, you know, I've seen, I've seen some bad situations come out of continuing to lean on members to do more and more and more. No, but your point about like, if it no longer feels fun or like additive to their lives, it, it's absolutely true that they should walk. And like, why, why would they want to stay if it's not, it's not working for them anymore? I would hope they walk. I yeah. think having regular check-ins with folks, whether it's like just a monthly fun call or we call them community in-service days. So like, we'll have a call about like things that they're seeing in the community or like things that they've learned throughout their moderation or like support time or resources that they need and just making sure that they have what they need. Plus like making sure that they feel like they're being heard is really important. I also think that 
like just having a habit of even if you're not like a, a community manager in like the day to day, like posting to like commenting on every single post type of person. I think it's helpful to have these relationships with folks because they're the boots on the ground and they'll tell you things that you might might have missed in the past few weeks. Oh, totally. Some of the best intel <laughs> you can get, right? Yeah. And I think it also, it you know, depending how you do it and how big your community and, and that, like it, again, you can dance a line of like creating like a really toxic click or creating an incredibly safe and supportive environment with like real leadership. Are there any red flags that you've noticed throughout your career with programming such as this that you know, like, ooh, something's going sideways. I got to get in there. Yeah. So I've actually been one of the leaders that was recruited by another company to to do some of this work. And it's a little bit it can become a little bit toxic when there is like some preferential treatment happening or things are not as transparent as the leader makes it out to be. And I, I try to use some of those best practices or the learnings that I've had. It's like, if it doesn't feel good, I want to be able to express it to somebody so that they don't hear it secondhand. But sometimes that's not as easy as like, you know, as you might think. And so I try to make it as easy for our members and our leaders to like be able to share that and have those spaces to like be able to share transparently, even if it doesn't feel good um, for me to hear it. Um, and like, I, I don't know if you've been in those experiences where it's like, wow, this does not feel good. And I also don't feel comfortable sharing it with somebody and taking taking those sort of learnings and making sure that that doesn't happen for our leaders. Yeah, absolutely. I think, that, you know, and that's part of even just being in leading a community, you have to be not only like open to feedback, but creating an environment where people feel safe to share it. Even if it's about you, there's an art to hearing feedback, not letting your ego jump in and be like, well, it's because of this. Right. And just be like, yeah, valid, valid point. I hear you. Thank you. Let me, is this preventable in the future? That kind of thing. No one said community work was easy. Did they? No. If they did, they're lying. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people think if, if they haven't done community work, they think it's easy because it's just like, you're just like talking to people all day. Like, why is that so hard? But I think that what you're pointing to is like when you have to have those tough conversations that good inside, we call that like connection capital. Like you have to have put in the work to have the connection, to be able to have these conversations where it's not like, I'm targeting you, right? And like, I don't know you at all. And I'm still giving you this tough feedback. It's like, no, we've paid into the paid into quote unquote, right? Like we have spent enough time, spent enough connection resources to be able to say like, I I care about you and I got this feedback and I want to share it with you because I do care about the work that you're doing and being open to hearing their feedback as well or things that I can do to, to make that easier for them. I love that. So what's your advice to someone listening that's interested in dabbling into creating this sort of program? Yeah, I think it's starting with the purpose of whatever it is that you're creating. You know, if you're thinking about scaling your community, even if it's really small, it's not really about the number of people, but the number of people who are really wanting to stay engaged and like engaging those people relatively early on. And I always recommend 
jumping on calls with people and doing the things that really don't scale at the beginning. Like while your community is relatively small, even if it's not small, like jumping on calls with people to learn about like why people come back every day or whatever the frequency is, it can be really helpful in seeing what motivates people, what gets people excited, what kind of things they would want to see if they, you know, they were a leader. I always think about like, you know, the products that I use most often. And if a, that brand called me and said like, Hey, what would you like to see? Like, we're thinking about building a community or like, we have a community. We want you to be a leader. Like, what would I want from that brand? And like, sort of like being able to articulate some of those things. And it might be different for every community because every brand is slightly different, obviously. But, you know, if you think about that and like the purpose of it and what it does for the brand and what it does for the member, the leader and building a program off of that and saying like, here are the things that I want to have happen as a result of this program. And then kind of backing into that with like, okay, here are the four things that I want this, this leader to be able to do on a weekly basis or a daily basis. And that can help you sort of just like drill down what you're thinking about and then get feedback on it in other conversations. So that's probably what I would start doing, just write a one pager purpose, what you're trying to accomplish here, what, what it would look like to actually execute it. And then like start naming some people who you're seeing frequently and jump on calls with those folks. I really like that. Ah, so many, so many like golden nuggets. I'm curious. So something I think that comes up with these programs, especially is boundaries and twofold. So boundaries with your establishing relationships with these people, like as a professional, they are kind of, for lack of a better term, like they're in a volunteer program you run, right? So it's, it's natural. And I think good to form personal relationships with them. But at the end of the day, they are volunteering for an organization you work for, or, you know, some people listening, it'd be a, a community you run as your business. Like, how are you navigating kind of that, that line of like, we're, we're, it's like, yeah, we talk probably like friends, but to a point, you know, and just all of that. I had this come up actually with some of the modern fertility community members and like, you want to care about them as people as it relates to the brand work that you're doing. And so like, for sure, I would get to know, you know, their family members or like the, their partner or like whoever they were trying to conceive with or the issue that they were going through, et cetera. I would try to stay within those bounds of like, not talking to them about like their favorite movie necessarily. Like sometimes that, that kind of stuff comes up, but I think it's on the whole, it's like staying around the topic that is relevant to your brand community as much as possible. And like, you know, if other things come up, it's not a big deal, but like you, you name it. It's like, Oh, okay. This feels like we're getting into some other territory kind of thing. Just naming it for yourself. And you don't have to like say it to the other person, obviously, but building rapport is one thing. But if it feels like you're getting into like too far of like personal territory, then that doesn't serve the purpose. And another thing that I ask myself, this is like something that I often did as a coach is like, am I sharing this because it's like, it feels good for me or am I sharing this? in service of the member that I'm speaking to or like the client that I'm speaking to. And so like, what, why am I sharing whatever it is that I'm trying to share kind of thing? I think about that all the time, right? It's kind of that. I feel like there's more about this where, um, and I'm so guilty of this. So I'm trying to not do it is if someone tells you something, shares something. And I don't mean this, I mean, this just in life, not, not restricted to a digital community. And your reaction is to then tell them, your experience with that. You know what I mean? And I think most people do it innocently to be like, I relate to you and here's why, but it comes off as like one-upping almost, or like, I know more because here's why. And I find 
in digital communities too. Like you see it happen. It's just something I'm, I'm personally like a personal goal of mine is to, instead of do that, to just ask questions like, Oh, tell me more, you know, kind of more active listening. Yeah. I mean, such an important point. It really, really is. I think it's like, I think this is just like my coach brain. And I I think about this all the time, but I think one of the, the things that's incredibly important about being in relationship is like, if people don't ask for like your feedback, then let's try not to provide it. Like just even pausing and saying like, can I share some thoughts with you about this? Or like, can I share my experience with you about this? Or like, are you, are you hoping for like, depending on the relationship, you kind of can read this, but are you hoping for, you know, me to listen or do you want some feedback or thoughts? You know, just like asking for that invitation can be a really big dynamic shift. Oh, it's huge. I agree. And and I think it, it comes into our work and just community management and the relationships, the relationship management in that, in a similar sense, like sometimes, especially if it's something that's I don't know, maybe it's like bordering uncomfortable or like too personal to like, it's our natural reaction to be like, yeah, it's relatable. And instead we just have to say, what do you need from me? How can I help? I find too, sometimes people, you know, you establish these relationships with these members and and it's lovely, but then maybe they kind of push the boundary in a sense of like trying to get information also just like about company dynamics or coworkers and things like that out of kind of that friendship. Like maybe it's just their natural, like kind of like gossipy friend sort of thing. And so being able to, regardless of what you think of the situation personally, being able to, to respond in a way that acknowledges the person, but also holds the boundary. This is something I've run into a few times that I have a very hard time with. And I think because it is, it's just, it, well, it's a little audacious. And then it's, you know, you're just like, what do I say to someone? Like, what? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> such a tricky situation. And I'm so it glad is. you brought it up. The th- first thing that comes to mind, and like, I, I don't know if you're asking for a suggestion, but I think that the thing oh, that I would actually, probably, I, I am. <laughs> well, I would love, I mean, like, let's tease this out because it's something that comes up, you know, for me as I think about it, it's like, if they're trying to get the tea from you. I would think about like just naming that it's a tricky situation that you're in, right? Saying like, oh man, like what an interesting question. And, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm like caught in between two different things where like I am an employee of this company and I know that you're really curious too. And I feel like we have a really cool friendship thing going. And I want to like make sure that we're respecting boundaries kind of thing. I I don't know like how you would say it exactly, but just sort of naming it and saying like, this is really tricky. Like you're, I'm in like this weird position. Yeah. I feel comfortable saying stuff like that oftentimes, but I, I understand that that's not always the case for folks. And like, you know, also, you know, the best, like, you know, the relationship that you have with this member. Right. And so. Oh, totally. It's a little, it it can be a little bit dependent on who you're talking to. Absolutely. And I think it gets easier with time, unfortunately, experience because it's bound to happen on some way. Honestly, it doesn't happen very much anymore. But when it does, you know, I, my first thing is like, okay, let's reflect. Like, how did we get here? And what did I do? If anything, you know, sometimes people are just like, oh, like zero to 100. And sometimes it's like, oh, I see where this might have evolved. So I need to like step it back. It is hard though. And I think a lot of people who, have communities, especially if it's tied to their business, right? Like it's, it's their baby. I think push that boundary a little in an effort to like keep people happy to keep the business running kind of thing. Yeah. I see this with solopreneurs all the time though. Like people kind of burn out on it, 
that like there's so much of this giving and like providing access to themselves that it, that that dynamic is really hard as well. Ugh, it is. Boundaries are so important. And just and just having the confidence to like and I've talked about this before, but having the confidence to set expectations of your availability, you know, to be like, hey, if you message me six times on Saturday night, it's still going to wait till Monday. Like, sorry, sorry, not sorry. Like, I'm not like that is a hard boundary for me. And if you can't deal with that, this might not be the community for you. And I know I mean, I personally know other people who have their own communities that are very reactive, like they get the notification on their app, like, you know, and are immediately jumping in. And it's like, you're just setting a precedent that is not sustainable. Totally. You know, or like if you go on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or or like even setting the standard that you will respond to every single DM, right? Like, yeah, uh, I, I think about communities where like people have set the standard that like you will get a response within this period of time kind of thing. It's like, that can be great. You know, that could be a value prop for that community, but it could be really tricky for like actually administering it. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, it goes the other way too. Like you should also communicate like, like set expectations. here's the best way to get it. Yeah. Here's the best way to get a hold of me. If I haven't responded in this amount of time during business hours, like please ping me. It's not intent, you know, depending what platforms you're using and the methods of how people can connect with you determines a lot of like how, effective, like how easy, like things can fall through the cracks are, you know, we use circle and I get a ton of DMS. It's just the sheer volume that we get. I don't think people realize, and this is something I'm actively trying to solve. Like we need better tracking for DM requests or like, how do we ask our members to not DM us when they need help with something (laughs) and like go a different route? But then is that too much expectation on them? I don't have an answer. It's it's a real time like thing we're we're thinking through like is our system optimized and i think we have room for improvement so anybody listening if you've cracked the code yeah there's so many ways that we could crack that one we have a section in our circle community that's called i think it's something like help us do better and there's like a survey form directly in that space so that it goes to our slack um or it goes to our uh, customer support and those get triaged in a different way than DMs because DMs are not the most effective way. Like it's not a CRM. So like you can't always track them the way that you want no, to. No, you can't. Well, yeah. And you lose out on like potential like CIA or uh, customer support metrics, like help desk metrics. Totally. Which not that our members particularly care or need to care about that. Like that's our problem, but it's still like, oh, this just isn't ideal. But who knows? Maybe Maybe someone will crack the code on like a programming level and like just next next level like dms will revolutionize (laughs) i love it um going back to boundaries though i don't know if you've read nedra tawab's book have you heard of her book no Um, it's it's a really great book it's like relationships and boundaries but it's sort of along the lines of what we're talking about i would highly highly recommend it to folks who are interested in like just having better boundaries it's called set boundaries find peace by nedra glover tawab and she has a really great Instagram as well. Ooh, excellent. I have opened yet another tab <laughs> so that I can go back to this. Well, that is a good actually segue because we it's that time to do our rapid fire. Woo-hoo. And one question you may have just answered already, Gold Star, but maybe not. We'll see. So the name of the game is Rapid Fire. I'm going to ask you a series of increasing difficulty. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions First thing that comes to mind, 
despite the fact that I will want to ask follow-up questions because they're going to be amazing, I'm going to try not to. So, but no promises. Okay. Sounds good. Because <laughs> I, I don't follow rules, including my own. All right. So first question, Reina, when you were a wee child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a mom. And I think you are a mom. I am a mom. We didn't, I have two we kids. didn't even, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. And the fact that, you know, and the whole boundary of running a parenting community and then being a parent. So, yeah, I also wanted to be an attorney, but you know, that's not as exciting. <laughs> well, check, check. You, you did it. Not the attorney, the, uh, the mom. All right. Next question. How do you define community? The community is a place where people have relationships with one another and get connected to resources and other folks. Yes. Okay. Whether you have an actual bucket list or not, what is something on that said bucket list or just in general in your life that you have accomplished? Oh, that I have accomplished. <laughs> something you are like, not, a, not necessarily accomplished, but done like, like a life, a big life goal that has happened or like experience. I always wanted to be a scuba diver. I was a big swimmer when I was in high school and I was terrified about open water and sharks but I wanted to be a scuba diver, like those, both of those things together. So when I got married, I became a scuba diver and we try to go at least once a year. That's awesome. Have you, so follow up, breaking my rules. Have you found, cause same, 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 minus the, I've never been like a good swimmer or into swimming, but I did, you know, did be, get certified to scuba dive and love it. But I find it's way less scary when you're actually like scuba diving and you're like, I see everything. Like I see you versus on the surface where it's just like, okay, I'm bait. Do you find that? Yeah, it it feels like the water is black when you're standing above it. And once you're in it, it's like so immersive and it's so quiet. There's something really, really like peaceful about like the only thing you can hear is your mask. The bubbles. And, you know, the air. Yeah. yeah. I love that it's just this whole world that's just happening. Yeah. You're inside of like the snow globe, essentially, you know. Yes. That's amazing. I love. Yeah. It's just uh, it's just a magical escape from reality, but still on Earth. It's great. Mm hmm. Okay. And then the flip of this, what's something on that bucket list that you have not done, but you hope to? Yeah. So two places I want to go, New Zealand and Italy. It's just a travel bucket list because there's something so magical about like going places that exist on the same globe. It's like so cool that like there's such different cultures and different things you can see and do. Uh, same. I've never been to New Zealand, but I'm pretty sure I want to live there. It's just sight unseen. I'm like, yeah, I think I, I think that's it. So I should probably go check it out. Okay, this is the question you may have already answered, but maybe not. What is a book that you think everyone should read or you just love? Oh my gosh. I feel like Willa said the same book, but The Art of Gathering is a really wonderful one by Priya Parker. I feel like every community person needs to read it. If you're a parent, this is a book that has come up a ton. It's called How to Keep House While Drowning by Casey Davis. Oh, I love her so much. Oh my gosh. It's such like, I just cannot describe this book to anybody, but it's like two hours long on Audible and like I've read it, listened to it like so many times now. And it really just puts the perspective of keeping house into like a totally different perspective. So would really, really highly encourage it. Nothing to do with, with community. Although, I mean, she's just, I follow her on TikTok and she's just the best. Like she just normalizes things that we all like feel shame for where it's like, Hey, if this system doesn't work for you, make a system that does like, look how we do laundry. It's crazy. It works for us, you know? And I just love how much she's just like in such a kind kind way, just 
just being very open about like, look, these are the things I struggle with. I'm going to show you and I'm going to give you the confidence to just like do things on your level. This isn't Emily post, like just we're all like, it's like drowning. <laughs> so just there, there's up. no morality in keeping a clean house. Right. And I think that like everything is a care task. Yeah. One of the things I loved is like, what can I do for future me? That would be like an act of kindness. I love that perspective instead of like, oh, I didn't wash the dishes today. Like, why didn't I wash the dishes yesterday? You know, that kind of thing. So I love that book. Yes, that's excellent. I feel like everyone should just, and I admittedly haven't read it. I forgot she did a book. So that's going to be my next Audible credit because I would love to listen. Yeah, it's really, really good. And then I think Netter Tawab's book is really wonderful too. It's like a yeah. relatively easy lift. Nice. All right. I may know the answer to this. If you could live anywhere else in the world and you live in lovely Colorado, so of course you don't want to move, but if you could live anywhere else in the world, where would it be? Oh man, I would love to live in Japan. My family lives in Japan now. I would love my two little guys. I have two kids and I would love for them to actually be bilingual. So being able to live in Japan would be really cool. That would be very cool. Okay. And final question, Reina, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, man, I should have prepped for this question. I want to be remembered as a good parent, as a person who cared about her community and a person who always chose to give back without burning out. I love it. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. I like I was like speechless. That's it's perfect. Let everybody know where can they find you on the Internet if they want to learn more or reach out. What are your what are your handles? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Raina Pomeroy. And on Instagram, I'm Raina and Company. Raina and Company. That is very cute. And like the word, like the whole world Mm -hmm. word spelled out. Excellent. And then anybody looking for a a parenting community can head over to itsgoodinside.com, I believe. Yeah, goodinside.com. So simple. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a blast. I love, like I said, several times. I love talking to other um, people who are in this as a professional field and I love just talking shop. So thanks for talking shop with me today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. That was the interview. That was the interview with Raina. Such a wonderful time. Definitely check her out on LinkedIn and on the Instagram. She knows what she's talking about. And even just looking at what she posts on LinkedIn, she is worth a follow if you don't already follow her. This was fun talking to someone who just has similar experiences and, you know, the experiences with more of like the brand community, the free community versus a paid curated community and just the differences. We, after we were done recording, we were talking like, ah, we were just getting into like good boundary stuff. We could have kept going for forever, but, you know, alas, our schedules and, and for your sake, you know, don't want to make this too, too long. So yeah, maybe, I don't know, Raina, maybe you want to come back and we can dive into that. Cause I will never get tired of talking about boundaries and maintaining boundaries and tactics and we all mess up, but how do we just keep moving forward and honing our skills on boundaries? So let's talk about different leadership programming you can do within a community specifically like a lot of good a lot of good tips and tricks and just kind of guidance to either launch or improve existing programming you may have this is something uh, I mentioned in the interview I have created programs like this before it's one of my favorite things I 
very slowly doing the same thing for SPI Pro and kind of realized talking to Raina, like, I need to stop dragging my feet. I know how to do this and it's not hard to start. So I really like how she goes about it. Just the, the one pager and then really taking time to get on calls with people to see why are they in the community? What would they like to see? What motivates them? And then thinking about if I had people in a program like this, what resources would they need? What would I expect of them? We danced on this, but is it fair? Is it fair to them? Is this free labor or is this a program they get something good out of too? Wanting to give back is fantastic, but it will also start to feel not so fantastic if you feel like you're just expected to do these things and get no recognition or check-ins or events. My actual plan for the program I'm building in SPI Pro is to have semi-regular live programming just for this group. So that's like a call that we hop on, whoever can make it. And kind of as like an advisory panel, just like, hey, how's it going? How can I help you? And just be there and let, you know, be a sounding board and let people give feedback and connect, but also, you know, have fun. And then I also plan to have a private space for everyone who is doing this to be able to talk and really just be a fun little group of misfits that are all aligned with just wanting to make pro, you know, the best it can be. And I'm also thinking, she mentioned like the topic, people with lived experience in a certain topic, giving them kind of that title, giving them the the leadership role to do with that topic. That is also something I am doing, but I'm also looking at having some non-topic based people. Like some people are just really good at, they're very social, right? I'm, I'm dubbing it just for fun, the social committee where it's like, Hey, you don't have to focus on this one particular topic. But when people join, if you just like reach out and if they have a question, answer it. Right. So it it really just depends what your community is about and where you think you could most leverage people who want to help. And I know for us, depending on your personality and your comfort with like a digital platform and all of that, there can be some hurdles that are hard for us as a community team to ensure everyone's getting over. So I think that's a great way for us to leverage the people in our community that like helping with that stuff. So connecting them, how do we connect them to new members and how would they like to do that? How does it work for them? Just some real life examples. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know at Jillian Benbow on the Twitter. You can also tag at Team SPI. I figure I'll just start, you know, I'm just giving mine now because then I know I'll see it. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. We'd love to get a few more positive reviews in the iTunes arena or wherever you listen. I hope you enjoy it half as much as I do because what an opportunity to talk to other community builders about all the things we're working on. Yeah. So with that, I will see you next Tuesday. You can find out more about Reyna on LinkedIn. Just look her up. Her name's Reyna Pomeroy, P-O-M-E-R-O-Y. You can also head over to goodinside.com to see where is this wonderful place she's doing all this good work and see more about what they offer. All the parents head over there. And of course, if you'd like to follow Reyna on the Instagrams, it's at Reyna and Company. 
Your lead host for the community experience is me, Jillian Benbow. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our senior producer is David Grabowski. And our editor is Paul Gregoris. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Theme music by David Grabowski. See you next Tuesday.